Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 97. Take me out to the podcast. Take me out for solo play. Find me some meeples and dice to roll. I don't care if I never can win. Do, 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 do. <clears throat> Hi guys. <laughs> Dead silence here. We normally have a slightly stronger start. Is this thing on? Hello? <laughs> Alright. Well, welcome back. <laughs> and this is uh episode ninety seven, getting close to that hundred. Um, and this is a baseball episode because uh, the Super Bowl just happened, and I think it's it's sports time of the year, isn't it, or something? Yeah, right. The Super Bowl just happened, and now's a great time for us to talk about baseball. <laughs> you can tell that I'm really into these sports things. Because <laughs> we're the boys of summer. That's why. Hi, everybody. I'm Julius. And I'm Albert. Since we should probably give our names also. <laughs> and this is the One Player Podcast. But you know that, because we already said that. Maybe, maybe. And so this, yep. And so this is a baseball episode, and we're going to talk about two baseball games. It's a doubleheader. Got any news uh, for uh, us, Albert? I, <laughs> I do. Or anything and happening we're sort of in your life? Start. I do. We've got some bad weather, but that that's not that bad. But I do have some news. I have three pieces of news. First up, Agricola. Um, there's a new edition that has been announced and is by by Lookout Games and I guess by Mayfair in the U.S. because I believe actually Mayfair owns Lookout Games now, if I got that right. They've got a new edition coming out. It's expected in May, and this this version is actually streamlined. It's um taking out some of the complexity of the game and basically what they're doing is they're getting rid of a lot of the cards that are in the original edition. There's a lot of cards that just don't really work well when people have them in their hands. They just dead space in your hand and nobody ever seems to play those cards so they're deciding that since they get all these other cards from all these expansions they're gonna i guess take some of the best from different expansions and put them into the new game so so some of the cards that are in the existing edition are going to go out also this is neat they're going to lower the price of the game and they're going to do this two ways i think one is well maybe just one way they're going to reduce the the player count instead currently it's a one to five player game the new edition will be once a four player, so there's less less wooden bids to worry about. Um, so it's gonna make it a, a lower introductory price. I believe what they said was they wanted around a sixty dollar price for the game. I think the current edition is seventy or eighty, something like that. So it, yeah, so it's neat that it's actually that much lower. And they're also gonna remove the family variant, um, which was a surprising move by me. I hope that they have some sort of introductory variant in there, of some sort. But they're going to be releasing a separate um, uh, Agricola family or Agricola Light or something like that, which is very similar to the same sort of style that they used for uh, for Catan, where they also have a Catan family edition as well. Mm-hmm. And I find that surprising, and I guess it makes the two games cheaper. Um, if, if you if you're the kind of person that likes both editions already, well, if you already know you like both editions, you probably have the game, so it doesn't matter to you. But, um, well, I mean, it gets oh. cheaper by removing the family variant because it removes um, the minor improvements in occupation cards. Yep. And 
And that that's a lot of cards, actually. Yeah. But if you're the kind of person that's going to want to play both versions because you're playing with different groups, and, and it may end up be more expensive for you, unfortunately. Uh, well, maybe someone will put out like a printable card deck to add it in or something. They might. And that reminds me, they did say they're probably going to release um, – I don't think it was probably – they're going to have a, like an, an upgrade extension. version. Well, there's a 5x6 extension also, but they're an upgrade pack for the owners of the current edition to be able to get like the new cards or components, whatever they need. Um, which I'm not sure what that'd be. I guess if you have the older edition and expansions, you may have all the cards already. Something interesting I, to I me know. about this whole thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're also reading, but this is just about the way BGG runs things. And mm-hmm. I was one of the playtesters for Dark Moon. And I remember when Dark Moon got shifted over. Dark Moon is not solar friendly. It is a, a secret role trader game um, with dice. And it was originally BSG Express. And when it got moved over from BSG Express to Dark Moon, the powers that be at BGG, I will note, this is with no influence from anyone at Dark Moon or anyone at Stronghold. BGG said, we're just going to keep it all as one one database entry and put together BSG Express into the same as Dark Moon. But Eofor Agricola, for some reason, it's not getting this same treatment, and they're going to... I mean... At the very least, they seem to be questioning whether or not they should, or if it should be a separate one. And BG just makes no sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, it it is such a complex thing because sometimes the games are so similar, you may as well call them the same game. But sometimes there, there's enough difference that they, they sure seem like the same game, but they they feel substantially different. And and like playing one is not the same as playing the other. Yeah, I guess it just requires a separate and, call each time. But just I don't understand where on earth they're making these calls from. Mm. Yeah. It's one of those, you know, it's very touchy feely, no doubt. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, excuse me. So, so that's the first big big piece of news. I was surprised by that. Um, the second one, there's a new coin game that's coming out. It just got in the P500, uh, I think, a day or two ago. It is Pandra- Pendragon, The Fall of Roman Britain. So, this is set in. Um, very briefly, what do you I mean, mean by a coin series game? Oh, the Does coin games coins? are. No, it involves counterinsurgency. These are GMT. These are war games, or some people might say they're not really war games or warish, whatever. I don't know. These are, are war games that are designed for one to four players, and they all revolve around some sort of a revolutionary um, scenario in history. And and they're, they're one to four players, and the way they work that way is because it brings four AIs so that if you're playing less than the full number of players – those roles that aren't being played are being controlled by an AI. And so there's four distinct AIs for each each power, because each power plays very differently in the games. And so this one is set in the British Isles, I really think it was around 400, 500 AD, when um when the Roman Empire finally fell there. And that that's a neat sounding game. At th- this point, I think this is the seventh coin game, plus one or two coin expansions. So that's a really popular series. It's only been out for five or six years. And I believe the price, if you get it through through the P500 right now, is about $65. If you wait till it's in print, it's going to retail. I think it was for a 90, 85 or 90. Um, and my final piece of news, there is um, a, a licensed version. Um, well, have you heard of USAopoly? They like to license lots of games. You mean Monopoly? 
Yes, they make Monopolies and other games like that. You know, they're the ones that make like Memphis Monopoly and New York Monopoly or New Yorkopoly or whatever, Cthulhuopoly. Well, they've licensed Dead Panic and Star Trek and are making Star Trek Panic. I'm sorry, I guess their Castle Panic was the original one. But yeah, so that's that's an interesting idea. You're, I guess you're the Enterprise and everybody's attacking from the outside or something. I don't know. Were you a big fan of Castle is, Panic? I recall you reviewed it at one point. In time. Yes, I haven't reviewed it. I'd like to at some point. I enjoyed the game, definitely. Okay. With the expansions, with that caveat. By itself, I didn't really care for it at all. Uh, well, I've only ever played it by itself. Yeah, the expansions add a lot. I've said it before. But this this one... I would be interested in it if it wasn't based on the original series Star Trek. I'm not a fan of that one. I, I wish it was Next Generation. That would make a difference. But I wonder if they're going to start making other panics. You know, Falling like Greenville Munchkin? Panic. Paris Panic, yeah. Is this going to be like the next Munchkin? <laughs> Is the next Panic? I guess so. A Batman Panic? A Star Wars Panic? <laughs> I could, you know, Cthulhu Panic. Love letter I could panic. see that one working. Love Letter Panic. Munchkin loot letter panic. <laughs> you never know. So yeah, so that was an interesting uh, bit of news. I, I don't know when that's to be expected. I'm guessing sometime this year. Um, and and that's it. I don't have any other news. Well, just we also talked about Victory Point games. Oh, you've got that. That's right. Yes. Yes. Um, you mentioned that. So Victory Point games so far has done two releases for new editions of games. They've done Dawn of the Zeds and they've done Nemo's War, not Nemo's Quest. They've done Nemo's War. Um, and so both these times, Victory Point Games usually creates things by laser cutting on chits. And with these two previous ones, Nemo's War and Dawn of the Zeds, they actually sent to China for a premier high-quality uh, components version of the games. So they redid the rules and they mass-produced it. I don't think we've seen either Dawn of the Zeds or Nemo's War yet. I think Dawn of the Zeds is soon to come. Um, I believe that's right. It should be imminent. But the next one that they've announced is that they're going to be doing Darkest Night, um, which is a cooperative game similar, I think, to Arkham-type style, um, where you have this great ancient evil and all the characters are different characters with special powers. And they're all trying to fight against this ancient evil that is taking over the world in darkness. And there's monsters and curses and bad stuff happening. And the necromancer, who's the bad guy, is the great evil. And you have to collect together the holy symbols and defeat him. Uh, this is one that I've actually played before. I know that with both Nemo's War and Dawn of the Zeds, to me personally, although I was interested that Victory Point Games would be doing a premiere line with... Um, Dawn of the with uh, uh, Darkest Night. This is one I've actually had the chance to play, so I'm actually really interested in seeing what the premiere version. I really liked the Darkest Night, uh, the first edition they were doing. I thought it was a fun game, uh, very much in the cooperative Arkham Arkham Horror style <coughs> game. The the idea of all the characters against a big bad, and I liked it. And I'm excited to see what they're going to be doing that. Yep, that would be neat. And that game has a ton of expansions, so I guess they're going to do all of them at the same time and everything. Well, I'm not sure how much they're going to be including. I know that for now they're discontinuing um, sale of the old Darkest Night. So 
you know, everything is going to be going into the, the first and everything is going to be redone for a second edition. I don't know how much is going to be included. Hopefully if it takes off, like they've done the previous times, we'll just have all of it get included in stretch goals and just break through all the stretch goals. Um, but that's supposed to be coming out later this year. No idea exactly. Yeah, okay. That, that'll be neat to see. And so that's it for news. And that that's sort of a Kickstarter news in that it's going to be Kickstarted one day. Sort of. Sort of. So is that sort of a segue into Kickstarter? Sort of? Sort of. Sort of. Okay. <laughs> Aha. Uh-huh. Well, I'm going to pull up a link and send you a link before I do anything else. <laughs> How are you with the drinking? I've been having lots of water. Lots of water? No. You're not a, are week. you a very posh person? No, not very posh. Do you like jazz? I, no, I've tried to like jazz. Cocktail waitresses? Sure. Melodic waltzes? No. Definitely not. Irish thugs ready to beat you up and destroy your establishment? Yes, I've met one. Then you may like the opulent. (laughs) That does sound opulent. Nothing like being beat up by Irish thugs. Uh, The opulent is a one-to-four player cooperative game, and it's set in the 1920s in the Prohibition era, and the goal of the game is that you are running a speakeasy which, for those that aren't familiar with American history, in the 1920s, Prohibition began, which was a nationwide ban on alcohol. You weren't allowed to have or sell uh, alcoholic beverages. And there were people who bootlegged it, who would uh, illegally sell it and illegally make places for it to be sold or drunk or hung out. So you couldn't go to a bar unless you were going to this underground bar. And these underground bars were called speakeasies. And in the opulent, you are going to be managing a speakeasy. Now, this game, I think it's designed really at the core for four players. Because the idea is that there's four separate areas that you have. And each area is going to be working differently. There is, uh, let's see if I can remember the name of all of them or look them up. Probably easier for me to look it up if I could find where they list it. <laughs> Yeah, if they could find where they listed it, it would probably be easier to list it. Uh, but let's see here. They have the first is the manager. And so he'll sort of be able to swap in and sit in on everyone's things. The next person is the bouncer, the doorman. And he's the person who lets the patrons into the bar and he'll chat them up. But you'll end up having a line. So for him, he's going to be rolling some colored dice. And you'll have to gauge those colored dice and how you're going to allocate it to let in certain customers. Customers that you don't let in will get angry. And customers that you let in will be able to move on to the next station. Inside, there's two stations. So there is the bar, which there's going to be one person managing the bar. And the bartender is going to be playing a resource management game. So he'll have a certain number of things. He'll have beer, gin, two types of fruit flavors, and some ice. And he'll have to resource, uh, he'll have to watch his resources and mix up drinks to try and serve his customers. And if he has to be careful not to try and overextend himself because he'll have to roll a die to see if he managed to mix all the drinks successfully. If he did, he makes people happy. If he doesn't, he makes them sad. Um, and so that's the bartender. Meanwhile, the, um, 
musician, which is another station inside, is going to be playing a music drafting game. So he'll have four decks of cards, and he'll be pulling cards from those four decks, and he'll have to be drafting out those cards in order to figure out which music he has in order to attract more people or, once again, make them happy. If you manage to get everyone through all the stations, they will give you their money. With more money, you can buy more things and more people to work for you. So, you know, you can have a waitress or you can have a a lookout or you can have a servant boy or you can buy bonuses or upgrades to your thing. And so there's a lot of different things that you can have to upgrade to it or special events that'll come out or special celebrities that'll come out. And the goal of the game is there's a number of different scenarios, which I actually thought was an interesting theme of the game. You can start with the basic scenario, which is essentially just get enough money to be able to buy something and then a bunch of money saved up and get through a certain amount of rounds. But things will get more complicated as you have to buy different scenarios or deal with different um, bad things that'll happen. Or, for example, mobsters will come come in and mess with your stuff at certain times. And so the scenarios will continue to differ. So they made a bunch of things that can happen very differently throughout the course of the game. Have you seen the art for this one, Albert? Yeah, I'm looking at that now. And it's it's uh, interesting. Right. This, is, <laughs> this reminds me of the Flying Frog games, um, yes. if you're familiar with those, which is... Um, dead of, not thinking of the zombie game with, by Flying Frog. Oh, I draw a blank now too. Who? What does Flying Frog make? Flying Frog. Uh, last night on Earth. Last a night touch on of Earth. Evil? That's it. Um, last night on Earth. So that that sort of type of game where they have what looks like they had actors, I think, who dressed up in outfits from that era and then took pictures of them. That's what it looks like to me. I don't know how much uh, of it is drawn art or added on, but that's what it looks like to me, what they were going for with that type of art. Um, I know some people are big fans of it. What do you think? I don't I, I don't like it that much, I guess. Yeah. I think it's more of a personal thing. I know some people who really yeah. like the, the Flying Frog style, the live person style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like cartoons. Yeah, I, I know it's popular with some people. For me, it just never it got me excited about the game. But I think that some of the mechanics of the game are definitely interesting. The fact that it has four different types of things going on with managing, with doing a Yahtzee type game and a resource management game and a card drafting game in addition to being the um, action management game, which is the the VIP, the, the manager, has an action management to be able to help out with everyone. And... You know, being able to keep track of all that and how everyone plays a very different game. Very unique what they've done here. I give them props for making a very unique game. Mm-hmm, that sounds cool. It sounds like it'd be a fun game. So this one is currently on Kickstarter. It's going for $45. We'll get you a copy of the game with all the stretch goals. They are quite well funded. Um, I think they've unlocked already a couple stretch goals. Yeah, they've unlocked already a couple stretch goals, and hopefully they'll be able to unlock more and get some nice shaped meeples and some other cool things. That'd be neat, yeah. Hey, the game brings a lot of stuff, too. Yeah, it does. It's For $45, good. that's a good deal. Got a lot does of it include cards, shipping? Stuff. Um, but it doesn't. I don't know. I wouldn't think no, it so. Not. No, it does not ship- include shipping. Yeah. 
Or do I know if it's EU friendly? Uh, it is EU friendly. Neat. So that one's going to I be ending guess... on March 6th. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I guess this theme is it's very much a, a US thing because it was prohibition only in the US at that time. Yes. As far as I know, I don't think any other countries are going through that. Yes, true. Prohibition was uh, ratified on my birthday. <laughs> You're old, Albert. For shame. Uh, <laughs> ah, and those first seven years of my life were hard. Twelve, whatever it was. I'm surprised your your parents <laughs> made it through. Or rather, I'm surprised yeah. that you made it through. Uh, yes, uh, without being able to drink. Uh. <laughs> I'm amazed that your parents were able to tolerate you without killing you. Me too. Me too. What can I say? <laughs> You're right. Any more games? Yes. Yeah, I'm trying to do three. I'm trying to do just three. We'll try and do just, just three, three from now on. Um, but next one that we're going to be talking about is Victoriana. And Victoriana is... This is an interesting game and an interesting Kickstarter method. Let's talk about the game first before I talk about what they've done with it on Kickstarter. Victoriana is another cooperative game set for one to four players. And in Victoriana, you're going to be playing as famous Victorian characters. And the idea of the game is that there's going to be a plot, which is going to be part, I'm sorry, there's going to be a conspiracy, which your goal is to stop that conspiracy and prevent it from taking down the government or whatever else or releasing Cthulhu or who knows what else who knows who knows what the conspiracy is but some bad thing is going on and it's up to you to stop it so you're going to be playing as you know maybe Sherlock Holmes or Queen Victoria mm. or any of these other type of characters both from fiction and from not and you're going to be having various different powers and abilities and resources and you'll use those resources to move around a, a book in order to investigate leads. And the leads are these cards. And you start with all the cards face down. And the cards will rotate because all the cards are going to be on a timer. And when they rotate all the way around, they've gone stale and you've lost the opportunity. But you have to go around these leads. And when you pursue a lead, you'll be able to get some benefit from having those leads, but it costs you resources to do it. So, for example, it might cost you underworld, science, politics, or occult resources. But on the other hand, it might net you some in advance. So you run around the game, and you're going to be investigating around. Um, but when you do investigate around, so you get some other uh, benefits from having it around. And once you have it around, you'll be able to reserve those. And so you have to make your way through all of the minions and make your way through all of the conspiracy and you collect up the resources and you avoid all the bad things. And if you get them all together, the right place, you can use it to trigger the correct event to beat the bad guy and stop the world from blowing apart. Okay. Mm hmm. Okay. Um, they, they tie very much into time here. The game always has a clock that marks your time. Each of the leads um, have a time clock on them because each lead actually has depicted on the back of the card a clock. And you'll move the card around to symbolize the clock on the card moving through time. 
And you have to balance all of your abilities and your movement and also trauma because your characters can die from it and run out of time or run out of health before it is that you die. And so we're mixing it together very much um, magic and everything else to, to turn into something kind of interesting. Now then, in terms of the game itself, the game itself is $49 to get a copy of the game, and it's going to be ending March 9th. What's interesting is that they're asking for 42000 in order to have it done, and at eight days in, they're at 16000 Mm-hmm. So I'm surprised that they had quite such a large ask from someone who's doing their first creation, but I think that a lot of this actually shows sort of that it's their first creation, because to me, the game looks interesting. But I don't think they've done a good enough job showing me how interesting it is. For example, the whole gameplay description on the main page of the Kickstarter, it doesn't tell you anything about how you play the game. Unless you watch the run-through or pull out the rules, there's no like one paragraph, this is how you play the game. Collect up resources, beat the bad guy. Instead, it starts to tell you some of like the bonuses and benefits of the game and what makes it hmm. unique. And some of that just, I mean, for example, it says on the main page, we have these leads that advance on time track, but you're trying to figure out, I have no idea what leads are. You didn't tell me. And on the main page, they, the, the videos that they have show someone playing with prototype components, but you never can really see what those components are. And they don't have on the main page any picture of what the final components are going to be like or what the final graphic design is going to be like. I don't see any of that present here. No? But, I mean, there's pictures of the board and cards and stuff. There's pictures of two cards, but there's no identification. Well, these are what, you know, for example, what the lead cards are going to look like. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they, I mean, they identified those, they, yeah. they showed us some leads. I think they showed us some leads. I don't know if this is even a lead or a mastermind or an agent. I don't think we actually see what the front side of the leads are going to be, but I don't see what tokens are going to be like. I don't, I mean, are you, are your characters represented by meeples, standees, minis? Can you tell? Mm, no, I guess not. You're right. You have no way of knowing. Do I know how I track the time track? Is it going to be a dial that's plugged in? Yep. The, the, I was looking for that. I was looking for pictures of the cards turning in. There isn't anything like that. I mean, I'm looking down below. They've they've actually now updated it to have a small image of the components. But, I mean, they say there's a whole bunch of resource and tracking tokens, even they don't have pictures of those. They have small pictures of what the leads would look like, but I can't see those. You know? I would have appreciated it if they would have, you know, paid for one printout, one high quality printout of it and played a demo game of it on the video, seeing it with the real components and zooming in. Because even I looked at it on my phone earlier and there's a black box around it. So it's further shrunk in as opposed to making it use the full screen. So the game looks really interesting to me. I'd be very interested to see it played. I'd be interested to hear more, and I'd like to see it come out so that I can see someone else play it and review it so that I can decide if I want to spend money on it. <laughs> but the <laughs> problem becomes, I'm not sure with what's presented here 
enough to be able to throw my money at it. Yep. Now I'm noticing in the risk and challenges it says uh, it may take time to finalize the art. So maybe they just don't have art for it yet, and that's part of what the money is for. I'm sorry. Paying for that art. I, I mean, this turns into other things. I played. Let's see here. What other games have I play tested? I, I've play tested Ashes. I play tested um, uh, the the. I play tested some other games for Green Couch Games. I play tested some games for Gamelin. If you don't have art, you either need to just put some art in there to make it visible, or I mean, if you're showing it off, you need to have a regular card graphic design because it looks like they have some of the graphic design going. So you need to have the graphic design and have a blank space that says more art coming or just repeat the same art over and over again and say more art coming. But it gives me more of a sense than what I have currently, which is not enough of a sense. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yep. Now it does say that in the fact, the, where the money goes and they say 10% is for art and graphic design 45% 45% is for production costs, 35% is for fulfillments and shipping, and 10% for Kickstarter. No, I'm not I'm not saying yep. I'm not saying that they're hiding anything. I'm not saying no. that they're trying to play any yeah. tricks. I'm just saying this is their first creative. This is their first time out. Yeah. And I think they may need to learn a bit more about best Kickstarter practices and try again. I'm hoping they succeed because I want to see this game made because it looks awfully interesting to me. The game looks neat. The fact that you have to balance those time mechanics and that there's a lot of things going on and there's a real pressure of time and a lot of places taking you and a lot of abilities to manage and all that. Um, I know that there's also th- they're also thinking about providing a true solitaire variant. Currently, you just play two players. You know. Okay. So for for our listeners specifically, they're thinking about having something, an actual solo variant there. And if you're interested in it, go tell them because that's one of those things that's up to demand. But what? Why? I mean, I'd like to see it created because I want to know more, but currently I don't want to support it without knowing more in advance. And that's just the way it is sometimes. Yep. And that's fair. That's fair. Well, I agree. It does look interesting. If if I wasn't already backing something on Kickstarter, I might back this one. Yeah, but I mean, look at some of the layout of the the cards. I mean, you can see some layout of the cards. For example, you can see Mm -hmm. the layout of your characters with the art design being done and the resources that you get and the different abilities that you get. It looks cool. The graphic design that we have here looks cool. But man, leverage it. There's, they just didn't leverage it and they could have leveraged it. And I think that if they would have leveraged it from the beginning, it would have taken off because I mean, they've, they've even been updating this page five, six days in the first time that we learned about how the game is played or saw more about it was not until, you know, four days already into it is when they wrote up a long explanation for how the game goes. Yep. Hey, you know, it, it looks like they are putting a lot of effort into it. I'm noticing that the uh, the two cards that they got the picture of, or I guess really it's a rendering it looks like, Th- they even have flavor text where they've made up uh, text from, from fake books yeah. to fill it in. So, though if you're listening, you guys misspelled motorized. You may want to double check that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a Victorian spelling. It could be. But I mean, the art is all done by Eno Tool. 
uh, which if you're yeah. familiar with his stuff, I like his stuff. I like the design for the game. Yes. So I agree. here's hoping it gets made, and here's hoping that if it doesn't get made, they learn the lesson and try it again. Yep. So one way or the other, I'm going to see more out of this game. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Anyway, so that's Victoriana. Uh, and so, like I said, this is going on until March 9th, and a copy of the game is $49, not including shipping. And last, but not least, or maybe least, we don't know. We just know it's last. Well, I think it's going to be least, or at least least expensive. Least expensive is Space Pioneers, a small box game, $14. Oh, wow, okay. I can say that least. Low, low there price of $14. It's nothing but a deck of cards. This one's just cards. So, okay. So in Space Pioneer, you are going to be creating a network of trade. You're going to have a deck of cards with planets and spaceships. And your goal of the game is to play those cards matching up the icons. Now, I'm a little confused about, I'm not confused about the icons. I'm just confused about why they made some of these decisions. But in order to play a game, you have to put ships next to planets and planets next to ships. You cannot put planets next to planets or ships next to ships. And when you're putting things next to each other, every card has different elements. The first element that a card has is its color. And so you can put card colors next to similar colors. So you can put yellow next to yellow. Each card also has an icon on each of the four colors, uh, on each of the four corners, excuse me. And if icons on two, uh, two adjacent corners match, so then you can put it there. So if I wanted to write in a left card, the two icons that appear essentially in between those two cards on the, on the matching spaces, if they match, some of those cards are legal to go next to each other. Also, there's an icon on the top and an icon on the bottom. If those two icons would match with their neighbor, so again, if you have a card on top and a card on bottom and the card in between match, so then those will go to, those will also be a legal play. And the goal of the game is to, well, have the most amount of points. Um, you're going to be getting points from matching up a, a network with the same color cards, or you're actually going to be having some solo mission, some missions. So there's secret missions that every player gets. And also, when you're playing solo, there's a special solo mission card that lets you play the game a bit different. That that essentially you're going to be that essentially you're just going to be having some missions that you get to keep track of and and keep totaling when you're playing the game. But otherwise, the game plays the same. That you're just building out these cards and making the whole network in order to get points from having sets or points from fulfilling your secret missions and flipping over your card for those missions. Seems like a very simple game to play. Mm -hmm. Seems to me like the game is going to be a lot taller than it is wide, which to me was one of the downsides I had for um, Dice City, is that the game played very tall, and I felt like it would have been better if it was played wide. It feels to me Mm -hmm. like the same thing would be here, because you have a much higher chance for a card to match upwards than to match leftwards because there's three things that can match upwards and only two that can match leftwards. So without looking at all the cards and their possibilities, it looks like it's a lot simpler to match upwards. So you might end up with a long row of cards because that's easier to do. You have to play sideways. Maybe. <laughs> I'm sure that would mess with everyone. 
<laughs> yeah, it would make it hard. I think so. But otherwise, it's a pretty inexpensive little game. Um, like I said, going for $14, $15, and this one's going to be ending March 15th. Nice, okay. Nice, bright, colorful it, little planet and ship arts. It is, yeah. <laughs> now, there's two more games I want to kind of mention briefly, at least, because I don't know a lot. Well, I know more about one than the other, but I think they're both interesting, and they're Kickstarter games. One you may have seen is Sentinels of the Multiverse Oblivion expansion. Right, which I think I talked right, about think, last time, too. Yeah, we talked about it last time, and it's on Kickstarter now. And boy, did they blow through their uh, through their goals. I think their, their goal was $100,000 or so. They're going to hit a million, no problem. No, their go- yeah, their goal was 40000 to hit fifty in the first half hour, or a hundred in the first half hour, something crazy. They said they're not going to have so, any, more, uh, any more stretch goals after a million, and they're going to hit a million with no question. Yeah. That's a shame they don't do anything else. Come on. Maybe a button or some Sentinels of Multiverse shoelaces. At one point in time, you just run out of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, they're at a million. (laughs) What more do you want them to do? Sentinels of the Multiverse onesies? Maybe? I don't know. (laughs) Apparently, you're a big fan of this one. I am. I I am backing it. And I'm excited about this. And it's interesting because it looks like it, it the play's gonna be a little bit different and there's that you gotta go to locations and, and stuff. I'm not sure how that works. I haven't seen any details. But I'm not looking closely. But I am looking forward to it. And then the other game worth mentioning, I think, which I haven't read about, but I did see it mentioned somewhere and, and I meant to look up, is uh Mythos Tales. Have you seen this one? I have seen this one. This is a one to eight player cooperative no competitive or cooperative game. Set in the worlds of H.P. Lovecraft. And this is uh, similar in style to Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Which I assume means it's a it's a game where you're, you're actively trying to solve cl- crimes and l- looking up clues and trying to figure out what the different clues might mean. And then looking them up in, in different referencings like maybe newspapers or a directory of some kind and stuff like that. And Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, Detective is a great game. So imagine... If this is well done, it should be interesting. I do want to look at this. And there's actually two print and plays that you can print off for that one right now if you're interested in giving it a try. With something like this, you know, I'd really recommend it. I have not personally had a chance to do it, mostly because I wasn't going to back the game. I was going to see how it actually came out in full form. Um, But if this is something you're interested in, you like that sort of detective mystery stuff, try printing off the print and plays and see how you like it. That's a good idea. It's a great idea. Are you going to do it, Albert? I... If I get to it, I don't know. <laughs> I may just wait till it hits retail. Is it going to hit retail? It's, so far, they've got $75,000 of their 25000 go, So it may make it. I think they'll make it. It just may. <laughs> I think they'll make it. And this is by 8th Summit Games. It's their, their first game. It funds on February 22nd. Oh, so that's just around the corner. Seven days to go. So this might be over by the time you hear this. Oh, I'm sorry you missed it. <laughs> Which was one reason I probably didn't mention it. There you go. That, you're a better man than I. Eh, or at oh, least well. <laughs> Fortunately, <laughs> definitely. Fortunately, it's going to make it, so you still have a chance to buy it later. All right, and that's it for Kickstarter.
Which one shall we do first? I don't have a preference. I have played Bottom of the Ninth. I have not played the other one. Why not? Because I don't have it. And it's not for... It's for a tablet. You can't play it on your thing? No, my... I can't on my phone. I didn't try on my phone because it's for a tablet. And my tablet is small. And I could... I tried to use it the other day. I could not... It's a Nook. Uh, Barnes and Noble Nook. Seven inch screen. I play mine. I play it on a seven inch screen. It's great. It's perfect. No, the problem is I couldn't use it. It's got so much crud on it right now that I couldn't even like um open the browser. My Nook is. I need to reboot, reformat, and all that. Yeah. So reformat. That's what I really need to do. Go go reformat your Nook. Come back. Okay. You wait here. Play the game a little bit. I'll be right back in about three or four hours. You think it's going to take you three <laughs> hours to reformat your Nook? No, it'll probably just be a few minutes, but I'd want to save the data. No, you're it ridiculous. would not... You know. Oh, you're ridiculous. I'm not going to do you're it. You're ridiculous. I should. I've wanted to for a while, but I haven't. All right, so let's do Bottom of the Ninth first, and then we'll do the other one. Okay. I'll have to pull up the rules for the other one. But I've got Bottom of the Ninth sitting right here, so play ball! All right. So, Bottom of the Ninth is a game by... Is it Dice Hate Me Games? Dice Hate Me Games, or now teamed up with Dice Greater Than Game. Games. Okay. And, and done by Daryl mm-hmm. Louder and Mike Mullins. I think Mike Mullins did the uh, solo play game, and I think Daryl Louder had most of the rest. I think that's how that went. I thought I read that the solo game was by... Um or partially by Richard Lanius. Was it, well, was it partially by Richard Lanius? I know Richard Lanius has a version in the game. Or has a card in the game. There's a card about Richard Lanius. King Lanius, isn't it? Uh, solo gameplay design. Richard Lanius and Mike Mullins. Okay. So you tell me. Team effort. Anyways. We're both right. We're both wrong. Anyway. So when playing this game, the way it works is um, you're going to be emulating the last inning of a baseball game and a baseball game is nine innings long and in each game first the visitor team goes i think and then the and then the home team i guess so yes yeah anyway so you're going to be playing the bottom one and it's all tied up and the idea of the game is that if you can just score one run you're going to win the game if you don't score one run, so then the other team, which is for sure better than you, is going to win it in the overtime. So it all comes down to this. This bottom of the ninth last inning, all you need to get is one run. You're going to yeah. be having a foldable board, which is very small. It's only like six by six inches, even, or maybe even less, maybe four by four inches. Um, and mm-hmm. it's a baseball pitch, and it comes with these little runner meeples, which definitely was from Kickstarter. Um, these little runner meeples with a baseball hat and sort of leading off. It's going to come with a bubblegum stick. And I really love some of the components for this. This really evokes a sense of baseball cards. Even I, you know, I pulled it out and I showed my wife when it came, when it came, the cards were packaged in a foil wrap, like an old baseball card wrap. And so it looked like it was in still baseball. It, it looked like it was a pack of baseball cards like you buy at a, at a penny stand. And it even comes with this stick of bubble gum. The stick of bubble gum is used to track how many balls and how many strikes you've got in. But I just, you know, whoever plays this is a real baseball nut, is what I'm yeah. trying to say. <laughs> or whoever made and, and, it. And it's worth saying it's not a real stick of bubble gum. It's pink like a real stick of bubble gum, but it's actually cardboard. Don't chew it. 
<laughs> if, if you do get the expansions, they each bring another stick. So you're okay, but try not to chew the first do one. Do they really? Each expansion has another stick? Yeah. I've got three sticks of bubblegum now. Oh, okay. I don't have any of the expansions. <laughs> They're all the same. So, you know, it doesn't you don't need it, but it's a nice touch that they have it anyway. Every every pack has a stick of gum. So, um, yeah, so as I was saying with the components, so it comes with these meeples. Um, and so it also comes with these cards. Now then, if you're playing, let's talk about what the batter gets because there's going to be a different setup for each player. But the batter gets a deck of batting cards. And so he's going to build a six-person lineup. And so each of these cards has a, I mean, they're all supposed to look like baseball cards. They'll have on the front a uh, drawn image of a person. So, for example, I'm holding King Lanius, who is third base and plays for the Arkham Elders. And these are all supposed to be, you know, inside jokes for various people in the gaming industry or in some of the expansions for other players or for Sentinels of the Multiverse cards. And each card is going to have a fun fact, which is just something silly about the character, um, where he plays, so third base or shortstop or something like that. And it'll also have his list of abilities and his trait. And the trait is going to be an always-on thing that works for that character, and the abilities will work based upon the results of the stare-down. Um, the batter will also get the stick of bubblegum. He'll also get some tokens, some white and red tokens, to track how many balls and how many strikes he's had. That player will also get one red-colored die. And the red-colored die is used when you want to see how strong of a hit you had. So you'll, when when you get a chance to hit at the ball, you will roll the die and see if you did a one, which is a very weak string, a weak strike, a weak hit, or a six, which was a very strong hit. Each player, both the batter and the pitcher, will also get a white and a red token, which are these huge tokens that one of them, the white one, has away and inside, and the red one has low and high on it. The pitcher, in addition to those tokens, he'll get two dice. One of them is a one to six, and one of them is custom, which has a B on three sides, an S on two sides, and a C on one side. Uh, he'll also get the couple red tokens to use how, to track how many outs there are. So the way you play the game is the game's going to be played in a couple steps. The first step is going to be called the stare down. And for the stare down, each player is going to pick up their batting tokens, which were the high and inside or the low and away, and they'll secretly pick which one they're doing. So for example, I'll pick one and Albert will pick another one. So let's say I'm playing against Albert. I'll hide which ones I have. And let's say I'm playing batter and Albert is playing pitcher. So I will hide mine and I will, we will both reveal at the same time. So let's say I picked low and away and Albert picked. I'm sorry. I picked high and inside. And Albert picked high and inside. (laughs) So that meant that I as the pitcher, I as the batter went for an assumption that the, that the baseball was going to be coming low and away. And what these terms mean is there's a little theoretical box right in front of the batter and you can throw the ball anywhere in that box. You can throw it so that the ball comes in close to the pitcher or far away or close to the batter or far away from the batter. So that would be 
inside, which is the inside of the box, close to the pitcher, or away is farther away from him. And low and high is if you're doing it up towards his head or lower down towards his hips. And so it's a question of where it is that you're aiming the pitch to go through. So if the pitcher manages to call out both of those and the batter doesn't manage to guess the correct ones, so then the pitcher will have an advantage going into the next step. The way that advantage works is each player has four sets of abilities that can be used. So for pitchers, they have a red ability, a white ability, a red and white ability, and an ace pitch ability. The way the red abilities all work is they'll add plus one or minus one to your one to six die, and the white die, or, and the white ability is it lets you re-roll one of the dice. The red and white and the ace pitch ones work a little bit differently from each one. Now, we'll get back to what those abilities all do in a second, but essentially they make it easier to roll. The way rolling works is afterwards, after you finish with those abilities and and determine who's going to get abilities next, the pitcher is going to roll to see what kind of pitch he gets. So he'll roll his two dice. The die that was the BSC die... That's the one that you use to figure out what kind of pitch that you're doing. If you roll a B, so then you are going to be rolling a ball. So it's not going to be in the strike zone, and it's you know not necessarily going to be a strike unless the player swings at it. If you roll an S, so then you're rolling it straight into the strike zone. If you roll a C, it's right in the corner, and it's very hard to hit. You'll then also roll the number die. So let's say that Albert rolled an S three. All right. So that meant that he rolled a strike three. At that point in time, I need to roll higher than a three in order to be able to have contact. If I roll a three exactly or lower, then I'm not going to have contact. I'm likely to have a strike. I will have a strike if I roll lower. Um, with the balls, it's, it's different. If he were to roll a ball three, if I roll three or lower, then it's a ball. I chose not to hit at it. I pulled back. And then it's just a ball. If I roll higher than that, it's a strike. If he rolls the corner, so then I have to hit the number exactly in order to have contact. Anything higher or lower counts as a strike. So this is where the advantage of the different abilities are. Because if you get the red ability, you get to add plus or minus one to, to the die number. So if you rolled strike three, you might want that to be a bit harder because strike three is not so hard. Not so hard to, to get a hit on. All you need to do is roll a four. All the pitcher, all the batter would need to do is roll four, five, or six. But if you have the ability to manipulate that die with the red ability, you can change it to be strike four. Similarly with the white one, you can try and re-roll that one. And the, the red-white one is almost the same thing whether you're batter or pitcher. You get to add plus or minus one if it's red, or you get to add to re-roll the die if it's white. The differences start becoming with how the red plus white, if you got both of them work, and how the um, ace pitch or the MVP ability are. Talking about the pitchers, each pitcher has an ace pitch. If they say exactly their ace pitch, so for example, I'm looking at Southpaw Straw's ace pitch is high and away. If you 
if you say that you're doing high and away and the other player doesn't exactly guess high and away, even if he guesses low and away, so then you'll be able to use your ace pitch. And your ace pitch are usually an extra powerful pitch that you can use to knock it home. If, on the other hand, the other player exactly guesses what it is, so then he'll get his red-white ability, and usually that will also give him access to his MVP ability. An MVP ability is usually an extra powerful thing that you can have. So, for example, I'm looking at King Lanius's. His is when you make contact, you automatically have a single. So the different abilities and the different traits let you mess around with what the die rolls will be. Once there is contact, at that point in time, you're then going to have a run occur. Each player will pick up their 1-6 to six die, and the, they'll start rolling it like mad. Whoever rolls 5 or 6 first wins. So if the pitcher rolls 5 or 6 first, he yells out, out, and the player's out, it counts as an out, and they move on to the next batter. If the other player, if the um, batter gets a 5 or 6 first, so he yells, safe, and he moves his little meeple to the next base down, and he's therefore going to be considered safe, and he gets another run on base, and he's one quarter of the way further towards getting the score that he needs. Uh, one more rule that I think was important for balance is the crush it rule. If a batter makes contact against a strike with a natural six, the batter gets to roll again. If he rolls a six a second time, then it's just going to be a home run, and that will just end the game. <laughs> um, if the if he gets a five, so then that's going to be a double, and if he rolls. Any, if he rolls a three or a four, it's going to be a single. Anything else, and it's just be considered regular contact. Uh, so one or two is regular contact. Um, but if you do get a home run, the other player gets a one last ditch chance to to grab the ball of the fence, and so there's that last chance. Now, then, this is a chance for a behind the games, an, an extra little bit of roll ability for the um, batter to be able to go ahead and win. So that's all when you're playing multiplayer. When you're playing solo, the game plays mm, quite a bit differently. Normally there's this stare-off phase where you're going to be sitting against the other player and trying to figure out what cards it, or what uh, options it is that they're going to be picking. When you're playing solo, the stare-off and the entire pitcher, actually, is going to be handled by a deck of cards. These deck of cards have a couple interesting things going on with them. Now, the first thing that goes on with these deck of cards, this is actually called the Manager's Challenge. And there's two types of cards in the Manager's Challenge. There are effect cards, and there's going to be situation cards. I think they're called situation cards. Yes, they're called situation cards. And so each time at the beginning of the game, you will shuffle the, the set up and deal yourself a random situation card. And so the situation card may mean that you have multiple innings to run, or there's already an out, or there's already a man on base. There's already three men on base. And you then have to pick your lineup based upon whatever it is that it gives you. So some of them may give you only two pitchers. Some of them may give you multiple, multiple, I'm sorry, only two batters. Some of them may give you a full 12 batters or 10 batters. And it'll deal out for you what it is that the situation you have to deal with. Once you've picked your lineup, you'll then get a random effect card. Some of these effect cards, um, 
will be good for you and some will be bad for you. So for example, one of them makes it harder for a runner to make to, for a runner to go out on, after getting contact. Another one makes it harder to swing well. Another one, um, gives the pitcher less relief, which I don't think I actually went into. I don't think I did relief. I, I've, I've not used it in a solo game at all. Um, well, the way relief works, and I've, I neglect to mention this one before. The way relief works is actually when you're the, and this is back in the multiplayer game. Um, there's a set of small little tokens. Like there's the big tokens for the high and inside. There's small tokens for the high and inside also. And when you set up in the multiplayer game, you set up your pitcher, these tokens to be whatever your ace pitch is. And anytime you pick either element of your ace pitch, you run those small tokens down the fatigue track. So in the course of a single batter, you'll only have a certain amount of times that you can pick that type of pitch. So after you pick your ace pitch, even if you don't get to do your ace pitch three times, that's it. At that point in time, you cannot pick your ace pitch anymore. So this is the fatigue, because your player's chances will get less involved. And when you play multiplayer, this allows you to sort of predict, well, is he going to use up some of his fatigue now and run down that track? Or is he going to not necessarily do it and he's going to hold on to it? That fatigue track is is not involved when you're playing with solo. With solo... Instead, you have the fatigue track turns into this deck. So you'll, you'll be short two cards from this deck, but you'll shuffle up the rest of the deck. And whatever you f- deal out from the deck is going to show fatigue. So on the bottom of the cards, they'll list out the two types of stare-down tokens. So for example, it may say on the bottom of the card, hide inside or low and away. Or even there'll be some that are special. So for example, the pitcher selects the ace pitch. And that is now how the fatigue deck works. And as more of these cards come out visible, you'll be able to potentially guess more about, you know, probability-wise, what the next pitch is going to be. So, for example, if you've seen all of the inside cards, I think there's three inside cards. Uh, Yeah, there's three. Three of each? Okay. I think there's three of each. I thought it, would, I thought it would have been four of each, because I thought there were eight cards total. Let's see. Uh, yeah, it's four of each. Yeah, it's four of each. So once you've seen all four of them, or even you know, once you've seen three of them, you know that your chances of seeing another inside are pretty low. So you may want to you may want to go over to the away instead. And you, this is just a matter of trust and probabilities because it's just a random deck of cards. And so with this one, the way, of the, game, the way the game works is after you beat a specific scenario, you're expected to write down how many points you get, because each scenario will give you a certain amount of points. So if you won in the ninth inning, if you won quick, you may get more points. And if you won slower, you may get less points. And so you play six scenarios, and after six scenarios, you look and see how many points and how many wins you have to determine your final score and how well you did. And now this is it's really a campaign game, isn't it? Because I think each each game you play that one inning is um it's probably fifteen minutes or so, fifteen, twenty minutes, I think. Yeah, something like that. I, I think I actually tend to find it takes about 
that long, but playing six of them means that it's going to take like two hours or something like that. If yep. you sit down and play them all at once. When I've played the solo play games, usually I find that I'll play one of them and just see how well I did. Not even keeping score. I don't know. Is this the one that you keep score on? I haven't kept score on it, no. I just enjoyed playing the baseball game and seeing how it ends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just deal out one scenario, one effect, yeah. and see how that goes. I know that even yeah. for the solo game, you're supposed to, if you're doing a full campaign, you start off with the default home opener one. Um, and then that's supposed to be the first in the campaign. I've done a whole campaign once just to see how it goes with the whole way through. Um, and just kept it all ran down. But for me, I, honestly, that turns into almost a Shabbos issue, which maybe some people, uh, have gotten tired of hearing. But it's a Shabbos issue because I can't keep track of that and there's nowhere else to write it down. There's, there's nothing that I could fabricate to keep track of that. So if I want to play a fast game of it on Shabbos, I can't keep track of the scenario. So it's just more fun for me to play just a single game of it and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I have found that th- the games are fun and they're tense. For, for the light little baseball game that this is, it, it's, it feels surprisingly baseball-like. This one feels like a really good simulation of aspects of baseball. I mean, yeah, it, it feels like a really good aspect, uh, a simulation of certain aspects of baseball because you can't, you know, simulate the idea of, hitting your ball with a bat. <laughs> but some of the mental aspects of baseball, it really feels like it hits those. For example, I love, love the stare down in this game. Yep. For me, I agree. I'm terrible at it, but I like it. For me, that is the <laughs> best part of the game is sitting there thinking. And because it's only a 15, 20 minute game, I don't care if I'm not necessarily thinking great about it, but I've played, brought this game to game group some as just sort of a filler and when I'm bringing it to game groups, sometimes it feels like I'm getting rushed through the game. And if you've ever played or watched baseball, you know that baseball has to be taken slow. <laughs> baseball is just the sort of game that has to be experienced slow. I would say the same thing holds true for this one. That stare down, when you're supposed to be thinking about the other player, and I mean, if, if you rush through it, you're doing it calculated because you're doing it a big way. You are slamming it down. You're like, I know what you're thinking. I know exactly what you're thinking. And you trash talk the person up. Or you will sit there and you will think mm-hmm. about it and you will sit and stare at them and consider the fatigue and consider their abilities and you will think about what they're doing. And that tension in that stare down brings a lot to the game. It really, really brings a lot to the game. Yeah, I agree. It really does. That, that that's a lot of fun. Unfortunately, that, that's any. Unfortunately part. for me, I really love doing that in multiplayer. <laughs> in solo, <laughs> the stare down is completely random. <laughs> yeah, I I found I just if I left it at the ace pitch, it's accurate. I think often enough for me, more than half the time. And sometimes, if I've seen a lot of the ace pitch of whatever that bat, uh, pitcher's ace pitch is, show up a bunch already, then I will go ahead and pick something else. But I found that just leaving it there and not worrying about it worked well. Right. Um, and I, I agree the same is that for me, because you want to keep watch for the ace pitch, because if you guess wrong on anything else, it's not that big of a deal. If you guess wrong on the ace pitch and let them use their ace pitch, that's a big deal because those ace pitches can be very powerful and you really don't want them to have it. Now, then there is a variant in the game which requires that you can't pick the same pitch twice in a row. If I'm not playing with the variant, playing solo almost gets boring because this is essentially just a card flip. I will set it to the ace pitch without any thought, and I will continue to flip the cards just to see 
if it's the ace pitch this time or it's not. And either it will be the ace pitch or it won't be the ace pitch. And contact in this game works one at a time when you're playing solo. One at a time, you'll roll the dice and you'll see if either player won. Either you did or you didn't. There's no skill. There's no fast die rolling. There's no quick realization of contact. Although when I'm playing most of the time, the rules aren't very clear about how you know when to start the roll for runs. Usually I will say, okay, here's the rule. The pitch, the batter has to say contact. And then as soon as they say contact, then you start going. I don't think in the rules it's very clear about when you get to go in. And I think that's on purpose because I think that the idea is to make it be that there's some element of skill in realizing that contact was made. But I didn't like playing that way because it just seemed unfair to me. It, it, seemed, <laughs> it seemed really to benefit the player who knew the game, which was me, <laughs> which I don't want to yep. play that way. So I've usually gone ahead and said, no, it's whoever says contact. But. Okay. Yep. You know, I, I like that part of the, the game too, even though it is, completely random it rolling it's a you're rolling to see who gets a five or a six first and that determines if you made it to the base safe or if you got uh what is it out on the run whatever that's called out out or safe yeah yeah when yeah. i play against another human so <laughs> i i can see it's a matter of who rolls faster and so you know it's not ex- it's not exactly a skill or a fine but if you roll faster you're more likely to win yeah. i don't roll as fast as many other players mm-hmm. i've realized <laughs> even though there's no skill it's it's just it's exciting and intense because yeah. you know, who's gonna roll it first right it's am i gonna be safe or am i gonna be out it, and it ends up being surprisingly fun yeah and then the uh when when you um when you bat and you swing a six and what's it called a clutch hit is that what that was called uh crush it crush it thank you and then you you hit it so hard it might make it over the fence and that's that's again also fun just to roll and see how how you did and you made it if you made it out of the park and then the the catcher has a chance to catch it. All that, all those just simple die rolls are really exciting. Yeah. And actually make the game really fun. Even in solo. Some of that makes the game fun in solo. Oh, for me, I found it very boring in solo. I mean, there's that variant, which means that you have more decisions. But honestly, when I'm playing it solo, I pl- I make so few decisions when I'm playing it solo. I will just leave it on, I'll leave it on the ace pitch and just keep flipping over cards and see what happened. But I don't, are, are you making decisions or you're just rolling the dice to see what happens? I, I am rolling the dice and commenting on the game. <laughs> and that's where the fun is. Oh, he swings and he misses. Yeah, so... If and you, that sort of stuff. If, if you if you <laughs> want the game to be a source for role-playing thoughts, so then fine. But for me, I, I don't know. I just found... I found Soul Play boring, but in multiplayer, this was such a great sim- baseball simulator. It felt so much like baseball. This is one of those reasons why I keep saying whoever whoever made the game, Daryl Lauder, must be an absolute baseball nut, which I'm pretty sure he is, because he did such an excellent simulation of how it feels to play baseball without actually playing baseball. Between the stare down and the fast-paced run for it, because you're doing this slow event. The pitch comes in slow, and then there's contact. And all of a sudden, there's there's a burst of adrenaline and excitement to run run for the base, and then either safe or out. And the cheer, no matter which way it is, there's a cheer um, for whether or not you're safe. And it feels so much like baseball. And in multiplayer, I really like the game for that. Mm-hmm. Yep. A um, couple other things with mentioning the. Uh Every single pitcher and batter has has different uh different effects on their cards. 
you know, and I don't know how many there are in the game, but there's also two expansion packs. There's probably like about, I don't know, 30 or 40 players total, and they each have somewhat different effects, which is really neat. And so the way you use them is different. And, for example, when you first set up your lineup, it may actually impact what order you want them in. You may want somebody, you know, if you got a person that's more likely to do home runs because of his abilities, you're not going to have him be the first or second batter. You're going to save him for a little later. And so I found that really neat. I I don't know enough baseball to to worry about that, and maybe I'm not interested enough to worry about it either. Yeah, I think that there was some some issues, especially in the solo game. Like some of the scenario cards sort of describe events that are going on with baseball terminology. I can't think of yeah. any that are specifically there. But something like I thought I knew baseball. I guess I know basics of baseball because I don't really know what these things are. Like, mm-hmm. I had the same issue. You know, it's funny, but I I also noticed I somebody taught me to play the first time I played it, and he explained it so I knew how to win and all that. When I went and read the rules for myself, it took me a while to find out how to win. What do you mean? And it's at the very beginning. You know, it says you just got to score, but it there isn't anywhere in the book that says, you know, here's the winning condition. This is how you win. It's in there in a sentence, but it's easy to miss it over thinking it's flavor text. Oh. <laughs> Um, I think I knew the basics of baseball enough that that was not that was clear enough. Yeah, well, see what, what happens. I read the rules, and then the next day I went to play it, and when I went to see what the winning exactly what the rules are, I was looking for a section that says you know there's gameplay, there's setup, there's each phase is described, but I didn't see anything that described winning the game. Okay. <laughs> Which, if you know baseball, like you said, it's not a problem. You know exactly what's going on. It makes perfect sense. If you don't know baseball, you may have a little trouble finding it. You may miss it. But if you're looking for a baseball simulation, if you're looking for that feeling of yeah. baseball, this is your boy. <laughs> this mm-hmm. this feels very baseball. Yeah, I, I'd say. If you love baseball, this is probably a great game. I'd say even for solo play, it's probably fun. If you're not a baseball pl- fan at all, I don't think I'd buy it just for solo play. I don't know. But I would for two pl- as a two-player game. I think I may disagree with you on that one, that I, I didn't like it great for the solo play because the solo play was decisionless for me, but I really liked that that stare down is just a great element of a game, and mm-hmm. I really liked it multiplayer. And by multiplayer, I mean only but two, because it, it's only one to two. Yeah. So, you know, if you're a baseball fan, and neither of us really are, you, you may enjoy it a lot even as a solo game. I don't know. I, I can't say for that sure. That could be. But I'd, I'd consider it. That may be. I'd say you should consider it. That may be. Yeah. You, you may want to go find a different opinion just in case. <laughs> Somebody that knows baseball better than either of us to get added together. Well, I don't think it's that expensive a game either. <laughs> I imagine it's It's not. not yeah. It's a small game. game. It's one of those, uh, the, the box sizes, like the, the mini coffin size boxes from Fantasy Flight, like uh, Space Hulk Death Angel. Yeah. Well, no, even smaller than that. It's... Only like hmm? inch, same exact size, like an inch tall. Really? That's how small. Uh... Yep. Space Hulk Death Angel. I'm putting them next to each other. You're wrong, but it's okay. They're about the same size. Well, the height might be slightly different, but they're, they're about the same size. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have them stacked together, and, it, and I'm obsessed with box heights, and you know it meets my criteria. <laughs> I'm sorry, you stack all of your boxes by height. I I do when I can. Yep. I keep games together by height and size. Well done. It's sir. like a it's like a Tetris puzzle. <laughs> well done. 
It doesn't always work. Then there's sections. That, oh, the worst of the games that come in little pouches. Those just kill me. <laughs> but that's another show. That's okay. Um. So so, is there anything else we want to say about this game? It's a neat game. The theme is the theme is extremely well implemented in both the mechanics, I think, and the feeling, and, and the art and, and the style. components. Like you know, I said, it all looks like yes. baseball cards, and the meeples are baseball it, meeples. Yep. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the front of the card, it's got the art and the title and that sort of thing. You flip the card to the back, and you know, just like an old baseball card, it has all the statistics. This has all the statistics for the baseball player. All the statistics you need to play the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the color, I mean, it really does remind me of an old baseball card. I used to have cards back in the seventies and eighties and looked just like these. Mm-hmm. Friends, I told you that my partner would be here, and here he is. Didn't you expect him, did you? Now, he always shapes up. Now, why not let the folks themselves ask for something that they like to hear? All right, what would they like to hear? I'll something different. Now, okay. is there anything special that you would like to hear us do? Baseball. Any, oh, uh, baseball. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Wait a minute, friends. You don't want to hear that, do you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we got the props for you here. Oh, you uh, came prepared, didn't you? All set, huh? <laughs> well, this is a must. I guess it's a must. We've got to do it. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. Let me see. It looks all right. Okay, all right. Now, now we'll pretend. We'll just pretend. All right, I'll take it easy with that. We'll just pretend that uh, we're organizing a baseball team here at the retired actors' home. And I am the manager. Now, you're going to be the manager of the retired actors' baseball team? Yes. I would like to join the retired actors' baseball team. Oh, you would? And I would like to know some of the guys' names on the team, so if I want to play with them, I'll know them, and I'll meet them on the street or in the home here, I can say hello to them. Oh, sure. But you know they give baseball players nowadays very peculiar names. You know, a lot of funny names. You know, like uh, Sticky Stick Fields. Sticky Fields. Uh, Goofy Dan. Booby Bobber. Booby Bobber. I know. Well, let's see. Now, we have on our team, we have who's on first, what's on second. I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find and out, that, the guy's name. And that, uh-huh. That's what I want to find out, the guy's name. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Now, Abby, you want to be the manager of the baseball team? Yes. You know the guy's names? Well, I should. Well, now, you tell me the guy's names on the baseball I team. I say, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. You ain't saying nothing to me yet. Go ahead and tell me. <laughs> I'm telling him. You said nothing yet. Go ahead and tell me. Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know. Is on third. You know the guy's I'll... names on the baseball team. Yes. Well, go ahead. Who's on first? Yes. I mean the guy's name. Who? The guy playing first. Who? The guy playing first base. Who? The guy on first base. Who is on first? What are you asking me for? I don't know. Now, wait a minute. I'm, not I'm on... asking you who's on first. That's his name. Well, go ahead and tell me. Who? The guy on first. That's it. <laughs> That's his name. Well, you said that. I ain't asked you nothing. You did. You know the guy's name on first base? Sure. Well, tell me the guy's name on first base. Who? <laughs> the guy playing first base. Who is on first, Lou? What are you asking me for? Oh, don't get excited. I'm saying who. I'm asking you a simple question. Who's on first? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. That's it. That's who? <laughs> yeah. I'm asking you, what's the guy's name on first oh, base? Oh, no. What's on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. <laughs> Don't mix up my... I'm story. not mixing up anybody. Now, what's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who is on first? I don't know. He's on third. We're not talking. <laughs> Wait a minute. Whoa. Now, well, let's not... Whoa, 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 whoa. How, did I, how did I get on third base? You mentioned his name. I mentioned his name? Yes. I don't know anybody's name on the team. I... Uh, how could I mention a guy's name? You did. You just mentioned it. All right. What's the guy's name on third base? No, what's on second? Who's on second? Who's on first? I don't know. He's on first. <laughs>
that guy's name on third base? Yes, you did. All right, then who's playing third base? No, who's on first? I'm not asking you what's on first. What's on second? Who's on second? Who's on first? I don't know. He's third base. And I don't know anybody on a baseball team. You do? You mention their names. I do? Sure. You got an outfield? Well, naturally. The left fielder's name. Why? <laughs> I, I, I just thought I'd ask you. I just thought I'd ask you. Well, I just thought I'd tell you. Well, go ahead. Tell me. Tell you what? Tell the fielder's name. Why? Because I want to know. Because. Oh, he's center field. You know these players as well. Who's as in center field? No, who's on first? What's on first? What's on second? I don't know. Third base. <laughs> Do you know the guy's name's on the team? Look, Louis, uh, you don't seem to understand. See, I have a first baseman. You, I know you got a first. Gets his, I ask you, what's what's the first? I ask you, what's the first baseman's name? No, what's the second baseman's? I, I'm going to start asking. So I ask you, what's the first baseman's name? What's the second baseman's? I don't even get past the. All right, who's on second? Who's on first? What base do you want to talk about? You talk about anyone you want to talk about. All right, now who's on first? Right. Okay. No. No, no, no. All right, you got a first baseman. Yes. When you pay off the first baseman every month, who gets the money? Every dollar. Of it. Every dollar of it. Who gets it? He does. Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Whose wife? Yes. Why not, Lou? He's earned it. Who did it? Yes. Look, will you pay off the first base of the month? You get a receipt from the guy? Sure. How does he sign his name? Who? The guy you give the money to. Who? The guy you give the money to. Well, that's how he signs it. That's Lou. how who signs it? Yes. Who got thumb? That's it. Who? First baseman. Yes. And you say to him, here's your money, sign the receipt. How does he sign his name? Who? The guy you give the money to. That's how he signs it. That's how who signs it? Yes. Sure. <laughs> you gotta get a receipt from the guy, don't you? Get one, Lou. How does the guy on first base sign his name? Who? The guy on first. That's how he signs it. I'm asking you, when you give the guy the money, what's the guy's name that you give the money to? No, wait a minute. What signs his own? Who signs his own? No, who signs his? <laughs> Today's catch. Now you've got it. Now I got it. All I got, we got a couple of days on the team. That's I all. I can't help that, Lou. I don't. You know, I mean, I'm a pretty good catcher myself. And so they tell me. Yeah, now I get behind the plate and I'm going to do some fancy catching, and tomorrow's pitching on my team, right? Yeah. Now tomorrow he winds up the ball and I'm behind the plate and the heavy hitter gets up. Yeah. Now the heavy hitter gets up and, he, and he's ready to hit the ball and tomorrow's going to throw the ball and I'm the catcher. Mm. Now I'm going to try. Tomorrow throws the ball, a guy up bunched the ball. Now when he bunched the ball, me being a good catcher, I want to throw the guy out of first base, so I pick up the ball and throw it to who? Now that's the first thing you've said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Naturally. 
throw it to who? Naturally. And who's got it? Naturally. Huh. So I pick up the ball and I throw it to Naturally. No, no, no. <laughs> you throw the ball to first base, then who gets it? Naturally. That's it. Now you're passing. <laughs> I pick up the ball, so I throw it to Naturally. You don't. I throw it to who? Naturally. That's what I'm saying! <laughs> Throw the ball to who? Naturally. You ask me. You throw the ball to who? Naturally. Same as you. Say it that I throw the ball to naturally. You don't. You throw it to who? Now who's got it? Naturally. That's what I said. Right. Whoever it is better get it. That's all I said. Don't worry about who. Who get it? Yes. He better get it. All right. Now I throw the ball to who? Whoever it is drops the ball so the guy runs a second. Who picks up the ball and throws the what? What throws it? I don't know. I don't know. Throws it back to tomorrow. Triple play. Could be. Another guy gets up and it's a long fly ball to because. Why? I don't know. He's on third and I don't give a darn. I said, I don't give a darn. Oh, that's our shortstop. I mean, so the next baseball game we want to talk about is Baseball Highlights 2045. Have you heard about okay. this? Okay. I've heard about it, I've been curious about it, but I, I don't know much about it other than it's baseball in the future with robots. It is baseball in the future with robots. This takes place in 2045, when apparently baseball has been changed around a bunch. Um, at this point in time, there's now only six innings, <laughs> where oh, apparently <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> there are now both humans, regular humans, naturals, called naturals, there are robots and cyborgs that are now playing in the game. And apparently when you have even a single batter, that single batter has the ability to put multiple runners on base somehow. Oh, somehow. <laughs> okay. Um, or something along those lines. I'm not quite sure. Theme doesn't quite do it for me on this one, but somehow it's baseball-like. You're playing a game of baseball. The goal is to get runners all the way around to home. And there's going to be... Each team is going to be putting forward six um, batters. And to me, that seems like it's supposed to be one inning then, not six innings. But each, each team is going to put mm -hmm. together six batters. And each of those batters has different sorts of things. So the game comes with a set of default cards, the veterans and the rookie cards. And it's going to be coming with the purchasable cards, the free player card, the free agent cards. And these are typically cards that you can purchase and do a little bit better, uh, have a little bit better of a deck. So the core of this game is actually going to be a deck building game. And you're going to be building up your player lineup. Now then your cards, you're always going to have 16 because every time you buy a card, you have to get rid of a card. Um, so as you're moving in, or as you're moving in free agents, you have to get rid of your starter team cards. Now, the starting team cards just come in two styles. There's going to be the veterans and the newbies. But you may actually want to hold on to the newbies and get rid of the veterans. Because the veterans usually have better abilities, but the newbies have more buying power to get more free agents. So those are the cards. There will also be two um, playing fields. Each playing field is going to be your typical diamond. It's going to have a place for your lineup, which is your deck, your dugout, which is your discard pile, and um, counters, which show if you're either home or visitors, visitors 
or if you have anyone on deck, anyone that you're currently in play and counting how many scores you have and how many um, games you've won. The goal of the game is to play multiple games until you've won four games. So you could end up playing seven games against the other player. The way the game is played, at the beginning of the game, you will get your uh, default set. Um, your starter team, which is a mix of veterans and uh, rookies. You will then get to start off the game by doing a buying phase. And I think actually if you're playing on the normal mode, you get two buying phases when you're playing solo play. Um, but you get to do a uh, buying phase. Yeah, so you'll deal out six of your starter cards, and each card has, well, uh, each of the free, uh, each of the free agent cards has a buying power. And this is how much people like to see them play, which is how much tickets they sold, which is how much money you have to buy new players. Um, and so they also have a set of abilities. We'll get into how the abilities work as we get more into the game. But right now, just focusing on the buying power. So you'll total up for the six cards that you just dealt, how much buying power you have. And so then you'll look over at the free agents and you can spend that much buying power to get extra agents. Um, when you. And agents are players. Agents right? are players. They're cards. Okay. And okay. so they're free, free agents are cards that are not in your default deck. They're special unique cards. And so you'll be able to buy those and put them in your deck and send the, um, minor leagues, aka get out of your deck, any cards that you don't want. After you've already got your setup, when you buy cards, they go onto the top of your draw piles. So they're going to be things that you draw first. So go ahead and you'll draw out all of your cards since so you draw six cards to start off a game. You'll be able to look at those and play them to in play however it is that you pick. I think when you're playing soul, you get to play first. So you play a card out. Now then each card has a couple different elements involved. The first element is the ability that the card has. So a card may have different abilities. So for example, it may allow you to cancel one of the other player's hits or multiple hits against certain types. So for instance, there's one that lets you cancel all hits against a robot or all hits against a natural. There's other ones that are called lead off. So for example, if you play a lead off card, you'll be able to, if it's the first card played, you'll get a free single, which the other player can't cancel. Some of them let you do pick will let you pick off base runners. Some of them let you do uh, double plays and pick off two. Some of them let you turn all of your other players' hits into walks. And so each one of them will have some different type of immediate actions. Then on the very bottom of the card are the runs threatened. The game comes with three different types of they're not meeples they're they're um, player markers these small little player pawns in three different colors, red, blue, and hot pink ish. And these show how fast your players are. So after you play a card, you will then, you will lay out meeples or player pawns. Excuse me. They're not meeples. Um, you will put out player pawns for runs threatened. So if a card threatens single, double, single of, normal, you will put out three blue player pawns to show that you are threatening those three batters. Granted, a single batter is threatening three batters? Somehow? (laughs) 
I never quite got that thematic leap, but they do it somehow. The other player will then get a chance. So they will first thing, they will get to respond to your runs threatened. So they may cancel the hits or they may, um, play their own lead off or they may cancel some runners. They will then get to put out their own runs threatened. After they've played their card, it'll come back to you. Any runs threatened that they didn't ping off, you will then get to activate on. So you will move around your, your, batter pawns around the board as in a regular game of baseball if there's a batter pawn already out when one of your guys gets a gets to go single double triple whatever it is everyone else also gets to go you may want to have faster pawns because different pawns once they're on the board not at the beginning once they're on the board after you get another run, we'll get to run faster on the bases. So, for instance, if you have a fast guy, as soon as someone else rolls a single, they'll get to run all the way around the bases and make it all the way home. So fast ones can be really deadly. Um, and so that's why it makes a difference. Now, that doesn't make a difference for the initial single. So, for instance, if you rolled a fast single, he'll still just go single. <sighs> okay. This is definitely a more complicated this game. This is a than much the other more one. complicated game than the other one. There's there's a lot more in depth, a lot more decisions going on, a lot more deck building going on for this. With the other ones, you had to build your initial lineup, but most of the cards were exactly identical. The white and the blue abilities in bottom of the ninth were all exactly the same. You just had to pay attention to the um the MVP slash ace pitch abilities and the traits. But otherwise they were all very similar here each card is really not similar although everyone's starter lineup is, is everyone's starter lineup is the same lineup set but each of the cards are very different in this game you'll also have some players that will be on deck so at the beginning of the game you can reserve a card and you can let that guy pitch hit so you can bring him back in and and reserve one of your cards in case you need it so for instance if you want to reserve a pickoff you can play that one out in terms of how the game plays, I think I've basically covered it. So you, at whatever runs threatened aren't addressed by the other guy's play, you then will get to act on, and then you'll play your card and put out new runs threatened. He'll get to respond to the runs threatened, put out his runs threatened. You'll get to respond to his runs threatened, put out your runs threatened, and play through until all six players, all six of the cards are done. And then after all six of the cards are done, you see how many runs you've scored. Whoever has more runs wins that game and then reset with another buying phase for the next round. All right. Okay. Mm -hmm. In solo mode, when you're not playing against another buyer, you're essentially playing against a completely randomized set of free agents. So you will randomize the whole free agent deck and deal out six of them at random and see what it is that happens. And the free agents can be very powerful and if you get really powerful, six really powerful free agents, you're just going to lose. But since you're playing up to seven games, you know, that randomness should at one point in time balance itself all out. Okay. That sounds interesting. So you're playing a, a series yes. of games. Is now is each game an inning or, or a whole game? Oh, whole in terms game? of how it works in my head. <laughs> okay. <laughs> really, each game is a, is a game. Um, because the runs scored resets at the end of each game. Okay. If it weren't for that, it would feel like an inning to me because you only have six batters 
in a game. Yeah, that's what you but said. But they call each batter an inning somehow. I, I, you know, just at one point in time, the theme just sort of breaks down and becomes very loose. But yes, it's considered different games because you have to reset each one each time. I think really that this, that really, the fact that a batter is an inning and that a batter can put multiple people on the field with one batter is really the extent of the breakdown of it, uh, the breakdown of the theme. Otherwise, it's relatively on par for, for the theme. Okay. So, so do you thought, have you played the physical copy or the digital both, copy? This, this is also an Android, ver- uh, there's also an Android um, app version of the game. Uh, in addition, I think it's also out for iOS. Um, I have played both the digital version of the game and the physical version of the game, although I have not played the physical version of the game solo. But I have played it a bunch, uh, digital version solo. Um, this was a, a strategic game. When you're trying to buy runners, I thought that the free agent buy was a really nice element because I know that I will look at my deck and I'll realize I really wish I had, you know, more ability to put more runners on base, or I really wish I had someone to clean up, or I really wish I had someone to really start eliminating them. Since you're limited, each time you're doing the free agent buy, you're dealt, I think, six cards at random from the free agent deck, and so you only get to buy from those. So you don't get to hunt through the free agent deck for exactly what you want. So sometimes, you know, it's the best of bad options, because I didn't get a pick-off that I wanted, and I really wanted to have at least one pick-off. So the free agent was an interesting decision to make on how to buy it. So I really liked the deck building that went into that. Um, also, once you have the deck building, you'll essentially have your hand of six cards, and it becomes a really interesting give-and-take for when you want to play it and whether or not you think you're going to get lucky, because usually I like wanted to hold on to some specific pickoff cards or hang on to a natural um, when I'm playing it through to try and really maximize it out. When you're playing against another player, you know, there's some logic and sense that can go into it and double think about where it is. Not nearly double think to the amount that goes in the stare down because you have no idea what the other player has. They have a di- they have a deck and they may not have pulled any natural. So if you're holding on to that one that's great against natural you may be very disappointed. <laughs> they may not have any natural. Um, so there's a lot of decisions, a lot of spots for decision about when you want to play those six. The way the game actually orders it um, on how you deal with the um, runs threatened wasn't exactly like I explained it. I think they have another mini time when you do the runs threatened for how how it goes. It's analogous for me that when you play a card, you first resolve runs threatened, um, your old runs threatened, attack their runs threatened, and place your runs threatened. Then the next guy gets to play a card, so he'll resolve old runs threatened, attack your runs threatened, and then place out new runs threatened. And so, you know, for me, that just made sense for how to play a card rather than sort of double backing some, um, which it just made it made a little bit more sense to me. That's not really that much of a difference in the game. That's just a difference in how it worked in my head. The rules were pretty well written. Mm-hmm. The rules definitely were easy enough to understand. 
Um, I played through the tutorial in the app version. I think the tutorial in the app version also was a pretty good tutorial and pretty well explained how to play the game. Although I think that because of the way the rules work with moving back and forth between the two players, you sort of will sometimes bounce back and forth in the app more than I think is necessary, which is you know, mm-hmm. not, not that big of a deal. Okay. Is the when you're playing the app, are you playing against uh, an AI or are you playing the solo rules? Uh, you are playing the solo rules. You can okay. play against another player with hot seat, which means that you trade off the tablet between the two of you. Um but otherwise yeah, you're just playing against the solo rules. Which is exactly what I wanted to find. Okay. Yep. And honestly <laughs> for me, it was a great purchase because I think that's really fun to play in the app version. I think it's also really fun to play physical. Um, I don't like so much the batter pawns because, you know, I look at bottom of the night and it has these excellent meeples. These are great meeples. And then I look at baseball highlights 25 and it's batter pawns. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, <laughs> I feel like I'm playing Monopoly or something like that. Why not meeples? It was so nice. The rest of it is, is nice. There's nice art, nice thing. And then pawns. Why not meeples? Mm. Was this one no, kickstarted? No, not to my knowledge. No. I don't think it was kickstarted. It may have been better if it was kickstarted because then they would have had meeples. I know that I saw Meeple Source actually <laughs> was releasing a set of meeples that you can add to the game. I find it hard for I mean, I don't love the game enough for me to want to invest the meeples in it. Um, it'd be nice, but I don't want to invest the meeples in it because that's a, that, you know, that's an extra investment instead of an extra game, which is usually my opinion on those sort of things. Yeah, and the meeples meeples are expensive when you buy them yeah. as an add-on. I don't know how expensive it was on Meeple Source, but I know that you can buy the meeples. But I just wish the game had the meeples. Why didn't the game have the meeples? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm looking at pictures of the meeples, and somebody has red, white, and blue meeples. Yes, the the different colors of the pawns okay. are I, the one we had. They were like bright pink. Maybe it's just a photo. They look red to me, but maybe it's just a or picture. Or maybe the pack I was playing with, they didn't come pink. Could be. Who knows? Now, um, I know there's a bunch of expansions for this game. Have you played with the expansions? Do you know anything um, about them? We played with the expansion. I've not played with them solo because I don't think that they're available on the app. Um, the expansions are just – I don't know about the coach expansion rules. Uh, but I know that there's some extra cards that can come out and different things that they do. Um we threw the extra cards in there, and I don't think we played with any of the other extra expansions. Okay. And I know when you buy the, the physical game, you could buy the, the basic version. I think it was about $45, maybe $50, i am not sure. And then you could buy the deluxe version that brings the expansions, and that's, I think, closer to $75. I, I'm not exactly right in the prices. I know this, but it, gives, it should give you an idea of the difference. I'm trying to pull up that picture that you had where it's red, white, and blue. Yeah. Red, white, and blue would have made a lot more sense than pink, <laughs> white, and blue. But if you go to the game overview, it's it's like the tenth picture on the front. I'm looking page. at the rules online, which is what I'm looking at now. Uh-huh. Let's see here. It's supposed to be red, white, and blue. Look at that. What do you know? It's supposed to be red, white, and blue. <laughs> Clearly, there's a misprint in the ver- copy of the game. Yeah, it's supposed to be red, white, and blue. The ones that we have, the white, the the red. Excuse me apparently got mixed with the white and it's more washed out and appears more pinkish. Interesting. Okay. So 
You got you a, did unique get a unique copy. copy. <laughs> and it's funny that I did not even notice that it was a unique copy, but it's more it's more <laughs> pink than red and, and the copy that we had. <laughs> well, it is twenty forty five. Many things have changed. Yeah, they restyled now and then. they restyled the <laughs> American flag. It's now red, white, and pink. <laughs> did it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So so do you want to compare yes. the two games? Does it, it? It seems to me like if I had to Go guess, ahead. you're gonna say that the the first one, bottom of the ninth, is more like baseball yes. than this is. Bottom of the ninth really uh, feels like baseball. A better this simulation feel like baseball. I I I'm. This one sounds more in depth and more complex. I cannot guess which one you like more. You you sounded more excited about the first one, bottom of the ninth. You're more energetic, I thought. Maybe it was just me, because I was well, enjoying it too. I'm. I really like Baseball Highlights 2045. I've played a lot of it. Okay. And I've played it both solo on the app and with some other players. I like how it plays. I think it plays really nicely. The problem is, is it doesn't feel like baseball. You know, every time I pull it out, I sort of have to just say, it's sort of like baseball because there's pitchers and there's runners and you're on a diamond. But there's. The, the, every time I'm like, well, how how did this guy put out a single, a double, and a single? <laughs> or how did this guy put out no one? I, they just did. That's just what the power did. He just gets to put out three guys for some reason. He just did. He just did. Yep. But the game plays really nicely. The deck building elements plays really nicely. It's a simple, it's easy to understand. <clears throat> you know, you play a card, resolve the runs threatened, resolve the actions, new runs threatened. I, I wish that there was a better summary guide in the rules for just that simple, very simple thing. It's very easy. The, I mean, I think the rules explain it more complicated than when it was explained to me in person. It play once you get, I mean, it's really easy, dead simple to play and a lot of fun to play both solo, both multiplayer bottom of the ninth though feels like baseball the stare down feels like baseball the relaxed pace and then the adrenaline of of contact feels like baseball but for me it was a great game to play multiplayer but it fell flat for me solo so if i want a baseball okay if i want a baseball game to play solo 10 out of 10 baseball 2045 if i want a game that feels like baseball Seven out of ten, Bob of the ninth. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and then there's all these other baseball games you could play that are, are way more precise and statistical. We're never even going to get into like if I want to be doing baseball. a calculator, yeah. Stratomatic <laughs> or fantasy, <laughs> fantasy baseball. Have you ever played I've Stratomatic? Never, but I've I've looked at those? it before. I'm like, my head hurts. I just want to play a game. I don't want a calculator. <laughs> and if I want to be silly with baseball, I can play fantasy, fantasy baseball. I have a friend that made his own application that was basically a simulation of a, not Stratomatic, but the other one. Oh. I forget what it's called. The one, didn't you mention another game a second ago? Fantasy Fantasy Baseball? No, that's not the one. It's an old Avalon I don't think Hill Fantasy game. Fantasy Baseball is uh, even out yet. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> then no, not that one. He, But it's basically like Stratomatic, and he went and he made an application to, to simulate the whole game himself and put in all statistics for all the baseball players, and he's a huge baseball fan. And he did this, he could play it solo. And I guess if you're really a big baseball fan and you really want to play solo and you really like math, that's the way to go. But I don't really know anything else oh, about I'm the game. I'm looking at the picture you had. The um, 
There's a 3D printed set of pawns um, that are available uh-huh. on Thingverse, and those are the exact same pawns from Bob and the Ninth. Oh, okay. Hey, that would be great. That would be great to have. I wonder how much those are. Let's find out real quick. <laughs> Let's see. Are, are those super expensive or not super expensive? <laughs> Well, I wonder if the STL files are available. You could buy your own 3D printer. I, well, I was looking at the curious how much 3D printing costs local. I know that I've seen some people who've been doing some local stuff. You can download the thing. You could just download the thing. I don't know how huh. much it is. Apparently, it's just a straight download huh. for the STL files. Neat. Okay. I, uh, I it was at Barnes and Noble, and they have the 3D printer for sale there. <laughs> For I think it was three hundred dollars, three fifty something like that. I don't know. Relatively cheap. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna buy it. It was also incredibly slow. I think they they showed me what they're making. It was had been running for hours, and it, it was very tiny still. Yeah, but incomplete. you don't have to sit there making it. It's not like it requires yeah. any element of you doing stuff. Kick it off. But you want to watch it because it's cool. <laughs> At least for the first. They, they've had some really cool 3D printing technology that is fun to watch. Uh, not this one. <laughs> I have no need to watch this one. Yeah. Yeah. Someday I'll have a 3D printer. I'm not in a rush. Anyway, both of them are great games. I will say that both of them are really good games. One of them is a lot better solo and one of them is a lot better emulating baseball. And that's really what I can say about it. Neat. Okay. So play ball. And <laughs> all right. And so now we want to wrap up for oh, last yes, week. Let's do that. Yeah, I forgot. How could I forget? Let's see here. Where is it? Uh, go to the podcast. Submit your own words. Vote for the winner of the great debate. What's missing? Here we go. Oh, look at that! It's over and. I won. Still looking for the link. Where's Woo-hoo. the link? <laughs> Go to the podcast oh, page and you'll find it there. That's what I did. That I was already there. <laughs> so I got seven votes with Sanity and Julius got three oh, votes with Flower Pot. People did not like my Flower Pot. I, I didn't even vote for myself. You didn't vote for yourself? <laughs> what? Were you, were you not convinced no, not. that you're going to win? Did you know that I was going to win the whole time? Except I didn't win? <laughs> Well, welcome back to the great debate. So, What's it missing? So, and what could baseball be missing? One moment, we're going to figure out if anyone submitted anything. <laughs> what, what's, what does baseball need? Dead air requiring editing. Oh, look at that. You put it on the podcast. Word submission. On the page. Yeah, if we pick you, you get a die, so I hope you... Why don't you go ahead and read about that while I pull open the thing here? Read it? I suppose you mean out loud. Just tell people people about what's going on. (laughs) All right, so if you missed the last episode, we have a new segment called What's Missing? The Great Debate. And uh, basically, the Great Debate. What's it missing? There you go. And basically, uh, we pick up two words at random. Last time we picked them from some website that gives you random words, and then... Each of us were assigned a word, and we had to debate 
why that whatever that object is should be in the game. So so last week the game was Agricola creatures big and small, and I argued for sanity, and Julius argued for flower pots, and we just gave had we had thirty seconds to explain why we thought that was appropriate word. It should have been twenty. Thirty seconds was way <laughs> too much time. Oh, nothing but dead air. <laughs> well, yeah, like I said, I'm actually pulling this from. Um, actually, this is another uh, game called Who Would Win. Uh, but I originally heard about this on the pot, on the Plat Hat podcast. Who were doing twenty seconds, twenty seconds, and then a uh, ten second response. Neat. Okay. And and uh, so now, if you enter this, well, not if you enter this, you can't enter this. But if you want to try, I guess we could have somebody moderate. come on and, and uh, we'll give them a random word, and they could, yeah, we, not moderate. We could let. We could give them a word. Well, if we have any guest stars coming on, we'll definitely make sure they have a chance. (laughs) There you go. And so, so if you could submit a word, any word you want, it should be a noun of some kind, hopefully, I guess. If you submit a word and we use your word, you'll win a custom one player die. So that could be two winners a week or a show while supplies last. And so we're ready to, to do this week's. Just this episode's debate. We've had any submissions, and I don't think we've had any submissions. Oh, yeah. I keep wanting to say this week's, like this show's ever been <laughs> weekly. Actually, no, no. It used to be weekly up until episode two. And then after well that, it became bi weekly. Hold on, sir. Well done. <laughs> Looks like we've had absolutely no submissions. Guys. Okay. That's going to make it easier to debate. Julius, and you're up with... Well, we're going to pull up two random words, just a moment. <laughs> um, so you're the winner. Do you want to go first or second? I'll let you go first this time. You let me go first? Yeah, just to, I want to try right, the other one. Do you have a timer it. up and ready? No, let me find a timer. Stopwatch. Stopwatch. <laughs> And now we'll give you the word, and when I say the word, you could start. Does that sound right? Um, well, you have to tell me the word, and then give me a second, and then say start. But yes. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you the word, and you say go. And you know what? Google has a built-in go stopwatch. I'm going to, okay. How many words do I want? Just one. And it has to be a noun. Paper. Paper. <laughs> Lovely. You ready? <laughs> ready, Mark? Yeah, ready. Whenever you're ready, you say go. Go. Okay, All right, start. So what baseball really needs more is a set of paper. If you've ever been watching a marathon, there's always the one long ticker tape thing that they get to run through, and they chop down, da 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 and then there's the music, and there's paper raining down around them, and there's a very clear line that all they have to do is pass through, break the tape, and everyone celebrates, and... Stop. <laughs> paper. More paper. <laughs> paper. Okay. Are you- uh, which game were you talking about, by the way? Baseball Either one? Baseball. Baseball. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, you ready for your word? Bomb. Yeah. <laughs> Go. Go. All right. So so baseball needs more bombs. Here's the thing. We got these balls, and you can hit them, and they fly really far. But imagine if we had bombs instead of balls. It'd be randomly. Sometimes you get bombs. Sometimes you get balls. 
You get rid of those unpleasant players that nobody seems to like. Just throw them a curve bomb. That would make the game so Stop. much more exciting. <laughs> oh, okay. I never made it to the audience. Just as well. <laughs> All right, so now I got a 10-second response for why bombs are not a good thing. I feel... Uh, was I supposed to argue also oh, why paper is not good to. in my 20 seconds? Maybe, maybe next, maybe next time. time. You ready? <laughs> So I could use my 20 seconds ignoring bombs and talking about yeah, what a waste can. paper can be. <laughs> okay. Thank you. You ready? <laughs> uh, let me reset. And yep. So bombs Go. would be a really bad idea for baseball because you would have a lot less people who would actually attend because they'd all be dead by bombs. Done. That would lower the price of tickets. Probably. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> but I think if they're dead, I don't think how much it matters how much the tickets are. They're yeah. dead. Then again, baseball is pretty. Have you been to baseball games? This the bleacher seats are so cheap. I couldn't tell you. Last time I went to game, last time I went to when I lived in San Francisco and I would go see the Giants. I think it was like fifteen dollars for a bleacher. The seats. only event we go to see is the one once a year we go to see Disney on Ice Live. My daughter loves it. Oh, okay, it's the only <laughs> event we go to once a year. And that's more than fifteen dollars. More than fifteen dollars. Uh, <laughs> I went to see a play of uh, the Chronicles of Narnia the other day. Fun plays a it, plays a lot of. Fun. It was amazing. the The quality was amazing, and they had this this puppet of the lion. That was just amazing. Very cool. <laughs> yeah, it was. All right. Um, are we done? Yeah. I guess we're done. Submit some words, folks. Um, we'll be back in a few weeks. Next episode, we're gonna have another new segment. I think. Very cool. Yep, I can't wait. I cannot wait. All right, thank you for listening. Have a good night, all. All right, and stop. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening. Live, coming to you from downtown Super Newapolis, it's the One Player Podcast. Yeah! Woohoo! Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on, toler- on solitaire board games. <laughs> Cut, edit, do again. <laughs> well- <laughs> Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 96. 96? No. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah, sure. I'm, are you, what? Didn't I do 96 last week? No, it was 95, wasn't it? Let's see. <laughs> These are important things to have down. <laughs> <laughs>